Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. You know, partner with other people in the organisation, whether it's your internal audit functions, your external audit functions, your people and culture functions, really to get a broad base for you on what is actually happening. I think, you know, it's always hard um, as a single individual or a single function in the organisation to really see what's going, going on everywhere. So I think getting different viewpoints and bringing those to the table is the first thing I would say. Welcome to the Jersey Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the Australian Compliance Institute. And today, for the first time, we have Lyndall West from OnPoint, Managing Director there. Welcome to the Jersey Professional Podcast. Thanks very much. So we're going to just jump straight into it. Um, tell me about OnPoint. Give me a bit of a history and background and what it does. Right. Yeah, look, OnPoint is an early development company, but it's really focused on early intervention of workplace conflict. And when I say workplace conflict, I don't mean at the point where people want to have a, you know, punch up in the uh, in the office. It's really about those niggles that happen in everyday working relationships, whether it's, you know, with your boss, whether it's with their peer, or whether it's with, um, you know, a direct report. And what we do is really give people the skills and confidence to be able to have conversations to resolve those issues before they escalate into major complaints. Yeah, sure. So before we started this recording and we we're having a bit of a conversation about what this podcast might look like, uh, one of the items you brought up was people risk, which was sort of ding ding in my head because obviously that's something that is a is an issue that um, might have been forgotten with all the new legislation change in enforcement priorities. You know, just had the big ASIC conference and there's an IAPP conference next week. But to bring it back to these essential things, um, what is people risk and uh, can you give some broad uh, examples of what they might look like yeah look people risk i think is an emerging risk within businesses and i think it comes from a, a range of different areas so um in one sense there's things like psychosocial risks that are becoming more and more on the agenda for organizations and and that really comes out of the health and safety legislation and that's really about taking the way that we've thought about you know physical risks in the organization um previously and and really applying them to some of the psychological issues that might occur for individuals but also in the way that we design work so that's a real real area of focus I think for um, you know HR professionals or people and culture professionals as well as risk management um, professionals because the two things really do come together Additionally, there's obviously been the changes that have come out of the Respect at Work report, um, which was which is a couple of years old now, but the, the legislation has now been enacted. And that's really about creating a safe um, workplace um, that's free of discrimination and harassment. And, you know, the Respect at Work report really um, threw a light on, I guess, some of the things that happen in organisations that are not great. And um, it's really an opportunity for organisations to look at how are we proactively managing risks in the organisation, not just reacting when something's raised as an issue. And I think that's been a real shift for organisations generally, which is around this sort of proactive approach. How can you get ahead of the game rather than just thinking about how do you resolve something when it's when it's brought to light? So do you find that that is what might happen where people are so more interested in sort of heading it off than actually solving what the problem is? Yeah, look, I think it's twofold. The only way you really can head it off is by actually 
getting in and solving the underlying issue. So for us at On Point, often we hear from an individual who says, look, I'm feeling stressed and anxious, but it's because of the workload or the way that the work is designed. And again, as I come back to that um, point around psychosocial risks, they're some of the things that organisations really need to let, look at and think about how do they redesign work so that it, it the, the workload isn't overwhelming or that the way that the work um, is designed is not repetitive so that it causes you know, issues for the, the individuals taking on those pieces of work. So I think it's really the proactive piece is genuinely having a look at the way that your organisation operates and doing things differently. Could you give me, I guess, some broad examples of what psychosocial risks are? Yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one because Part of the challenge for organisations is it sort of varies by role, it varies by industry, and it also varies by, I guess, some of the underlying factors of the people bringing the the coming to the, coming to do the work. So, for instance, you know, paramedics, for instance, um, the work itself can be quite triggering, but also if the individual themselves have underlying um, mental health concerns, that can also play into it. So, there's a lot of things that organisations now need to look at. Whereas, you know, if I reflect, you know, back in the health and safety days of perhaps 20 years ago, asking somebody to pick up a, you know, a, 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 a something off the floor, everyone did it the same way. What this means for organisations is that they not only need to look at the risks in their organisation, they also need to look at the people who are doing those, um, those tasks or activities and see whether there's any individual factors that need to be um, taken into account as well. So I guess the, the biggest thing for risk and compliance professionals, you know, listening to this discussion is the first, it's, people always want to know how can they benchmark something or how can they measure something? So I guess the question is, is there a way to kind of measure that you even have a problem within the organisation? or How do you know there's a problem to solve? Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? When you often talk to people, they say, you know, a good culture when you're in it and you also know a bad culture when you're in it. But sort of putting your finger on what are the what are the factors that go into that can be can be even more challenging. And I guess, you know, one of the things that we talked about offline was really the fact that perhaps risk and, um, and compliance professionals aren't necessarily trained in these sorts of areas when they're when they're first sort of starting out. You know, it's often left to, you know, as I say, the human resources or um, people and culture professionals to look at these sorts of issues. But increasingly, it's becoming a focus for, for everybody in the organisation. What I've seen in the past is a, a lot of the factors that we look at on people risks are actually historical factors. So what was the employee engagement survey? You know, how, how engaged were people? What discretionary effort were they prepared to put in? That's something that, you know, you do the survey and it's um, from a couple of, you know, weeks or months ago. Things like turnover, you know, who's left the organisation is really a, you know, a factor that's happened by the time you're looking at the turnover stats. Likewise, even things like, you know, formal investigations and so forth. It's, you know, when has something become so big that it's ended up in a formal investigation? So right now, most of the, the measurement tools that we use in organisations are very much historical or backward looking um, measurements. And I guess that was one of the things that we thought about at On Point was how do you actually get to understand what's going on in the organisation actually before it before it escalates? And so we really work to look at, you know, those issues that are bubbling around in the system that haven't 
haven't yet sort of made it its way to perhaps management or leadership and so forth. And we really try and pull out some trends from that. So for instance, one client that we um, work with, they have a lot of alleged bullying concerns that sort of come through. And one of the things that we've been able to pull out of the, the um, data, um, the people that we speak to is that some of those individuals who are feeling like they're being bullied are actually coming from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. And what that's enabled that organisation to do is actually proactively look at, at their leadership skills, to look at their training programs and to look at their race action plan around how they're addressing those issues. Do you find, um, just broadly speaking, that maybe these are issues that organisations don't always put on the, the top of the list or are, are organisations looking at these things? Oh, look, I think it's always going to be a mix, right? There's yeah. some organisations that um, are genuinely proactively trying to address these things. You know, one client that we work with um, has been concerned about the sort of process for an individual who maybe has made a complaint and what that looks like six to 12 months after the complaint's been made. Has there been any retribution and have they got a safe environment for individuals? And I think that's a, you know, fantastic example of being proactive in this space. Whereas obviously there's some organisations that, you know, I, I, I just going to focus on the things that they want to do rather than yes. the things that are, are going to make a, a difference to the risks in the business for, for, for individuals working there. And as we said before recording as well, I guess the, that, that level of psychological safety in the um, obviously has implications for whether you have, um, I guess, internal complaints or a whistleblower situation, um, which can mean many other things for an organisation. Well, that's right. And, you know, again, my experience has very much been that sometimes things come through whistleblower um, complaint lines that actually aren't whistleblower issues. They're, you know, um, interpersonal conflict. They might be the sorts of issues that I talked about at the beginning in terms of workload or, you know, somebody being promoted that you didn't think should be promoted, etc. And so therefore, it's really about creating those safe spaces, those um, places where people can go and get independent and impartial advice on how how to deal with those situations because not all of them need to be escalated into complaints and not all of them will be well served by actually escalating into complaints. So it is about creating a culture where people feel they can speak up and, and, and removing systemic issue, systemic factors that might be impacting on people being able to speak up. Again, yeah. one organisation we, we work with has some of their work is sort of almost consulting based or client based. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult for people in that organisation to speak up because they think that, you know, their job might be at risk if they do. So organisations really looking at some of those power imbalances in the organisation and perhaps the implications of people speaking up is really important as a way of, you know, addressing the psychosocial um, stuff that we talked about before, addressing creating that safe work environment for for everyone. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I started by asking about, you know, measurement and how do you figure these things out? Um, and, you know, there's always a risk if there's a feeling, not necessarily truth, but a feeling that maybe these topics aren't hard, like easy to measure in a quantifiable way that maybe they're soft and fuzzy topics. And if they're soft and fuzzy topics, oh, anyone can do this. So I guess, are there some, I guess, very generally some examples of how this can go very wrong if organisation doesn't go about this in a, in a systematic and careful way? 
Yeah, look, I think, you know, if I think back to, uh, you know, one of the measurements that I sort of pulled out before, which was engagement surveys, um, you know, I think there's one thing to say, we want leaders to be accountable for those results and creating an engaged workforce. I have seen that in the past go wrong where bonuses are or a variable reward is actually based on how well people perform in those in those surveys. And I've seen, you know, leaders being hauled in previously to say, well, why didn't your team score us, you know, five out of five in the in the survey? And I think where the 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 measurement is used in that way it can lead to unintended consequences about people feeling that they can be can be safe and and speak up so you know certainly in this case it created an environment in this particular that was a division of an organization but you know in that particular division it it created an environment where people thought well I should just vote five and stay quiet because you know otherwise there's going to be consequences for me and my 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 team and I I think that's where using the measurements in too hard and fast way can actually undermine what you're trying to achieve, which is to really understand what the the underlying risks in the business are today. Yeah, yeah, sure. That that conflict between, I guess, trying to get something done, but also the bottom line is always there as well for an organisation. Yeah. Uh, well, we've come to the end of the, the podcast. Um, I guess we like to end the podcast with a bit of, I guess, words of wisdom. Um, you know, anything that you might like to share with um, risk and compliance professionals who are listening to this podcast who might be thinking about how they can maybe use some of these techniques or tools to sort of figure out if there is a problem in your organization that needs to be solved. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm not sure they're going to be words of wisdom, but let, <laughs> let me give them a go. Um, I think I think I would say to risk and compliance professionals, you know, partner with other people in the organisation, whether it's your internal audit functions, your external audit functions, your people and culture functions, really to get a broad based view on what is actually happening. I think, you know, it's always hard um, as a single individual or a single function in the organisation to really see what's going going on everywhere. So, I think getting different viewpoints and bringing those to the table is the first thing I would say. Sure. The second, the second thing I'd um, say is really start to try and shift your thinking from how are we dealing th- with things when they do they do get to complaint stage and really thinking about how do we become proactive in this space because I think certainly that's where the legislation is is taking us to the taking us down the track of but more importantly I think that's how you create a better workplace um you know I often say to people have you ever been through an investigation process and people are like yes and it was terrible so even the best well-run investigation processes are usually pretty traumatic for people so I think if you can avoid those circumstances and you can actually um, think about things in a proactive way and addressing them before they really become a huge issue, that's absolutely the the place that we should all be sort of aiming for in our organisations. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lyndall. Thank you. This podcast has been a production of the Australian Compliance Institute and the music was done by Rob Neary.